What is going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Ryan Hallam and Matt Sells, and it's another episode of the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. And the podcast seems to have a whole lot more wealth this week. And <laughs> guys, you know, before we even get to anything, I got to ask how my guys are doing. So first, Matt Sells, you seem a little heavy in the pockets. <laughs> How the hell are you, winner? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. That was a heck of a sweat on on Sunday. That was pretty nuts. Um, it was the Daytona 500, the official kickoff of NASCAR, and um, race started at three o'clock Eastern. Didn't finish until twelve thirty in the morning oh Eastern because there was a six hour rain delay. Because you know it's in Florida and it got warm in the middle of the afternoon and pop-up showers that's what happens so um yeah it was kind of nuts there was a 16 car crash 15 laps into the race that took out a bunch of heavy favorites um and then we had to wait six hours to see who was going to survive the crash because they couldn't touch the cars under the weather delay um and then on the last lap like another eight cars crashed and uh luckily one of my lineups on FanDuel escaped <laughs> Uh, un, you know, all six or all five guys on FanDuel finished, so that was pretty nice. And then the problem became, wait a minute, how much did you win? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> so the race ends. I'm in first place in this GPP, and um, the problem with FanDuel, or not the problem with FanDuel, but one of the side effects with FanDuel is that they wait until post-race inspection is done to pay out the contest because if the winner fails post-race inspection, they get disqualified. It's like they never race. So you don't get the points for that guy being in the race. Oh man. DraftKings doesn't do that. DraftKings says, okay, checker flag dropped. That's the race standings. That's what you do. It's happened a couple of times where people have won money with a disqualified car. Cause they don't take into account post-race inspection. So FanDuel takes it into account three and a half hours later. After the race ends, they declare the winner has cleared tech inspection. So that's like 4 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. And I can finally breathe the sigh of relief that, yes, my $2,500 winnings held. Uh, though it did, it did shrink because after the race ended, they adjusted some positions. I had an eight-point lead when the race ended. I won the contest by three-tenths of a point. So oh, wow. that was a heck of a sweat at like 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Twenty five hundred dollars in that, and and I turned yeah. a two dollar bet into one hundred and thirty two bucks because I bet Michael McDowell to win at plus sixty six hundred. So that was a pretty nice night. And, and you know what, sells? Congratulations, man! You deserve it. This is why you win industry awards. This is why you head up our NASCAR. Not only all of our tools management, fantasyalarm.com, but also NASCAR and baseball too. This guy is. As much position flexibility as Ben Zobris did at one point. That's but, a good comp. I like that comp. Yeah, but Sells, I'll say this, man, and this is where you know we can take a turn in helping others, man, because trust me, we all love that you won. You're part of the family. You're part of family times. We all love that you won, but we want to know how we can win. Hallam has kids. I've got a dog and a wife. So, you know, with that, Hallam's got a wife, too. Hallam, I didn't mean to leave her out. <laughs> We've got So with that, you know, we want to win some quiche as well so we can hide it from them. 
So please, let's all talk about our processes because sales, like I just said, NASCAR wizard, you just won 25 hundo. Mr. Hallam does our NFL previews week by week, now off-season mode for him, but week by week. Also in, in the draft guide, too. Because writing game previews, especially when Ryan does them about five days before the game, that's hard as hell. He has a lot to consider. He knows that you guys are really reliant on those game previews. So he has to kind of play fortune teller five days out. What's his process in calling the game right? I'm doing basketball right now. We're in NBA hell. Players continue to get ruled out five minutes before after not even having a tag, any kind of injury tag. What's our process? How do you fade that? Is it possible? It's time to talk about the process, guys, because, and Ryan, I want to get your take on this because before we begin with Cells. So, Cells, get your winner's speak ready. Ryan, you've been in this industry a very long time, and I like to get your veteran opinions about certain matters. And when it comes to where the industry is going, what the customer wants, what our subscribers want, do you think that there is a contingent of the fantasy sports audience that wants to know about the process, that wants to learn about the process, the whole process, what it takes to win versus, hey, just give me the picks. See ya. Five seconds in, five seconds out. I definitely think I think there's a, a, a good portion of that. I mean, if you take a look at just just take a look at the people who follow Fantasy Alarm uh as a, as a group and i think you'll see there have been a number of people who have like really dug in and learned the process and and really followed uh you know a lot of howard obviously it's it's the most fanfare uh well deserved of course just uh, ask cheyenne to send her one of your notebooks that's i mean, cheyenne i mean we and then we have guys who are like part of the industry now who started writing for other sites and, and they've all, you know, started out as people in our chats and, and think, you know, people following our articles and now they're doing it themselves because they learned the process and didn't just look at example lineups and try to plug them in and then bitch when they don't hit because they don't have any knowledge about the actual sport or just trying to get some free wins off of us. Uh, I, I think just, you know, in and out five seconds is, is not a way to win uh, you know, and any long-term plan. I mean, when I do, you know, a little bit when I dabble into NASCAR, do I lean on sales? Of course I do. I don't know anything about NASCAR. I'm, you know, trying to glean something off this guy. Uh, but, you know, if, if you're trying to play, like, serious, and not any serious, like, you know, betting rent money, but, I mean, if you really want to get into DFS and make it your thing, if you don't understand, you know, how winners go through the process, then you're not going to be able to to be successful long-term. Right. I mean, and that's a decision you're going to have to make. And I know that every subscriber is different. Not everyone has time to read long articles or to listen to podcasts, even ones that are shorter. Like ours is a 30 minute podcast. Now it used to be an hour. We know that the attention spans are a lot shorter in our space. However, that doesn't mean that we can't teach you our own process. So that if you follow us, you'll know how we're thinking. Our brains are aligned in that regard. And that's where it's going to be better for you ultimately. And with that, Cells, let's talk about your process. First race of the year. Definitely not easy. You're kind of like trying to like get your bearings straight. You're trying to find trends that you don't have. You're coming off a very unique year from 2020. 
I mean, was it the 16 car crash that got you in that winner's circle or was your core build just intact and dominating? What's your process when setting a lineup? So Daytona is a tough one to judge because it's always just, just pure chaos. I mean, as I wrote in the playbook and I think I touched on it in the core plays piece that I wrote for Daytona, over the last seven or eight Daytona races, basically 40% of the cars in the field have been involved in a wreck of some sort, right? So when you're talking about that, that's a crazy amount of variance. To give you an idea, that's way above any other race, except for Talladega. Those two tracks are way above any other race in, in crashes. So it's a little bit of a different animal with Daytona. Um, but, you know, touching off on what Ryan said, four years ago... When I started doing NASCAR, I guess four and a half years ago, when I started doing NASCAR for the site, I was the only one on site that knew anything about NASCAR, right? Nobody really, they all just thought it's a sport. You turn left a bunch of times and just wait till the checkered flag goes and whatnot, right? Dan Malin took an interest in it. Dan Malin started studying. Dan Malin started asking me questions. And then he became my podcast co-host. And then he learned enough that he's now literally taken two-thirds of the content, right? He does Xfinity and Truck Series every weekend because he studied up. He learned. He learned the strategy. What is different about this track versus another track, right? So it can be done. You can learn these things by simply reading the material we put out and asking questions, right? So to get back to a little bit of what my strategy is, I was actually talking about this before the NBA live stream earlier on Monday with James Grande and Fensty. And I said, the last part of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 for NASCAR has been better for me because I have less data to work with. And that sounds a little odd, right? Normally, you want an, an expert that's going to go pile drive into the data and pull all of the random data out that gives you the edge. Well, then you get paralysis by analysis, right? How many of us have had that when doing really anything in life, writing a term paper, doing homework, writing, you know, trying to study up for fantasy drafts, whether it be seasonal or setting DFS lineups. So my process has clarified over the last I'd say eight months when they got rid of practices for NASCAR because I don't second guess myself as much, right? Every time I second guess myself, I'm wrong. That's not just in NASCAR. That was on tests, right? Going all the way back to high school, <laughs> I would look and I would say, okay, I missed three questions on this test. Well, which three did I miss? Oh, is this one I second guessed myself and changed the answer? This one I second-guessed myself and changed the answer. This one I second-guessed myself and changed the answer. So I would have aced the test had I not second-guessed myself. So really for me, it comes down to look at what the data is telling you and then trust your gut. The best thing you can do is trust your eyes, right? Watch what you're doing. You've heard me say it several times whoa, on the whoa, podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you mean that to learn about the sport we actually have to watch the sport. <laughs> I know that's a crazy thing, right? That... Watching the sport is actually how you learn about it, right? So, like, let me flash back to my NASCAR story here. Like, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 
I thought NASCAR was a sport you drive fast, you go around in circles, you make some, you know, sometimes they go right occasionally. And, you know, I really like Jimmy Johnson. He, you know, because I was watching SportsCenter all the time, he always seemed to be on SportsCenter because he was winning all the time, right? Seven-time NASCAR champion, 83 career wins. Then, in like 2004, HBO did a series called 24-7, Road to Daytona. They used to do it for boxing matches, right? Like they did 24-7 Pacquiao Mayweather, right? Where they would follow folks like for like four or five weeks leading up to a huge event. So they followed Jimmy Johnson's pit crew for like four or five weeks leading up to the Daytona 500. And I'm watching these guys, and a lot of them are former Division I athletes or former pro athletes. And they're practicing every day to drill down this thing. And then they start talking to Jimmy Johnson and his crew chief, and they're talking about strategy and how the physics of the race car changes depending on where you are on the track or who's around you and whatever. And I'm like, well, this is pretty interesting. And I started watching the sport. And you discover, oh, there's a lot of strategy in this. There's timing for pit stops. There's, you know... Well, his car got loose, so let's adjust this. And why did it get loose? Oh, he was in traffic, or he wasn't in traffic, you know? So you actually have to watch the sport to get good at these things, right? That goes for any sport you want to get good at. You want to get good at NBA? Watch it. See who's making the rotations. What systems are in place for what teams? Who's the best six-man you can pull on any given night? What teams are good against what defenses? You want to get good at football? Watch football. Actually sit there and watch it and listen to what the good commentators are saying. Well, about well, let's, let's, let's build the bridge here, Mr. Sell. Speaking of good commentators, Mr. Hallam is one of our best commentators. What? Yes, you, Ryan. Yes, you're Mr. Hallam. You are one of our best football analysts because you're entrusted with the game previews. This guy puts them out on Tuesday. Tuesday. And the, you know, these are games that are days in advance. Talking about the NBA injury report, the Friday injury report for NFL is nuts every single week. Yeah. And Ryan still puts himself out there, and even things change. So, Ryan, let me ask you this, man. You're clearly in the position at the site because you have a good handle on the game. How are others who aren't as into football, maybe don't get it, maybe don't know, they don't know what they're watching. There's a lot going on in the field. How can they learn? be a football mind like you <laughs> i thought i had the game previews because nobody else wanted to do it but I... <laughs> well that's part of it but you know i you know it depends on who you ask i'm gonna start... for half a season when justin mason used to be here and his house caught on fire and i didn't want any parts of doing him again so we handed him off yeah, to you i was yeah. wondering so wait justin mason did used to work for fantasy alarm right yeah he used to do the game previews and some and like an mlb weekly preview and some other stuff and then he stepped aside to go do you know a big boy job well uh, you know Al, well you know what ryan Helm does a big boy job with his previews have you seen how long they yes. are it's a manifesto <laughs> ryan he had a bet he had a bet on how how many total words there were for all 17 weeks. Jeez. And it was into the hundreds of thousands of yeah. words. Well, Ryan, you take a lot of time, and we appreciate you doing them. So tell us about your process and how you're able to identify and pick out those players that are going to dominate our, for our fantasy teams, maybe a few days in advance even, before the rest of the world gets onto them. 
Well, football is, you know, a, a little bit different than, than other sports. It just, and not that I'm saying, obviously they're all team sports, uh, but just so many moving bodies in, in a football game, uh, you know, the offense and defense and, and everything. So for one guy, it, it just there's just so much to look at. And as far as the injuries are concerned ahead of time, uh, you just, I mean, some you're, you're not going to get a feel on and some, you, you know, Take a look at the situation. It's so the the sport is very very situational. Uh, you, know, you have to look at trends. You have to look at the opposing defenses. You have to look for quarterbacks. Look at the offensive line. Uh, even that was a lot of you know we talked about Kansas City's problem uh, in the Super Bowl was was their offensive line was was decimated. Uh, you know so there's so many different factors that come into each each uh, decision you're making for football DFS. Another big one to me is is you have to kind of look at the the slate as a whole where's the value because you're clearly you're not going to be able to get studs everywhere so do you find a lot of value wide receiver this week that means you're going to be able to pay up for running back or pay up for you know travis kelsey or pay up for the quarterback this week or you know maybe there's good value at quarterback you know so you have to there's so much to take into consideration uh there but i also want to reiterate what matt said about actually watching the sport uh, I think that is the single most important thing uh, that you can do, uh, you know, and I've been watching football since I was, I don't know, let's see, it was 1985. So what does that make it? 35 years of watching football uh, pretty religiously uh, just because it's something that I love. So I obviously, you know, you watch over time, you, you get trajectories of people career, or what they're able to do. Uh, so, I mean, obviously it doesn't take 35 years to figure it out. Uh, like, you know, like Matt said with Dan, you start studying and, and you can learn fast. Uh, so it, it's, it's hard to say in a half hour podcast where all three of us want to talk about putting the entire process of NFL down, but you know, it's, it's certainly the, you know, the opponent, uh, is obviously a huge part. You know, you're going against a terrible run defense. Okay, you know, obviously you want to target running backs. Guys who were going against Tampa Bay this year, you're staying away from them at running back. So, you know, I think that's a huge part of it. So, you know, injuries, opponent, uh, situation, uh, you know, weather. Weather played a, a big part a lot this year as well. Uh, so, you know, you just really have to take a look at the entire picture. And I think we do a really good job on the site, just giving you every possible angle for you to look at a game. I mean, go to sales, you know, use matchup reports, like 37 stats there. You know, the DFS coaches, it's just, if you take in everything we do and you really read it and, and kind of then couple that with watching the game, you're going to pick it up really fast. Right, right. And, you know, I think that's a common thread that I'll continue as we shift over to the NBA. Guys, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to try to make like I am shielded completely from all the crap that's gone on in this league regarding COVID, regarding players suddenly and health and safety protocols with no ideas when they're doing back. I do the injury blog on the site. I mean, I do DFS content just about every single day on the site for NBA. And it sucks. I told you guys before about some lineup builds that I thought were good. All of a sudden, two players get ruled out. Just like that, for after not being tagged. And it's hard. And this year and last year, when the stoppage was over, it's different from what we're used to. But whereas where with the tight end situation, where you might follow a team and pick the opposition, you know, you're always going to attack. Last year was attack Arizona at all costs. And people did that until 
the opposing tight end was priced too high that they didn't feel that they could get their return. For me, being in basketball, I get a little bit more consistency and I get a little bit more statistic information in seeing a team on a semi, like on a biweekly basis, let's just say, at least two times per week instead of one, sometimes four. So it's very easy for me to identify about five backcourts, depending on who's on the slate, or five frontcourts that I'm going to go after. It's not that hard. You look up the stats. Sells looks up the stats. Ryan looks up the stats. I look up the stats. I don't try to be too cute, even in GPPs. When Charlotte is on the slate, I'm going to attack the hell out of Charlotte. When Sacramento is on the slate, I'm going to attack the you-know-what out of Sacramento. The Magic, I'm going to attack them. Brooklyn, I'm going to attack them. The Pelicans, give up a lot of points. You're going to attack them. You just got to stay in line. But getting too cute is choosing a non-skilled center against them. And that's that's not cool. That's not what we're saying. That's where you might want to go in a different direction and not chase the matchup. That's what we teach you through our basketball content. And let me tell you this. I learn every day from watching the games. I keep a marble notebook with teams on it. And I have dates on when the last time, because I have the NBA package, it's worth it. I want to know. We cover all the teams. I want to know everything about every team. But I can't watch all the games at once. I don't have 18 eyes. So when it comes to what I do is I pick a couple of teams a night and I try to watch a half of the game. Not not the full. And I know that first half and second half, depending on game flow, are different. But if I'm watching the teams enough, I'm learning about the teams. There are players that weren't even on my radar that I was just learning about at the beginning of this. There are players that were in our draft guide that I wasn't even thinking about that James Grande brought up for possible crazy sleeper potential on Orlando. And now those guys are coming in and playing. And like that just shows right there that we all can learn something new. And I've had to learn on Juan Toscano Anderson because the Warriors front court has been so decimated. That's the bottom line. I don't try to be too cute. I find my front courts to attack. I find my back courts to attack. And if the Wizards are ever on the slate, you start players against them because they're one in, they're number one in pace. And that means there are going to be a lot more possessions than probably what any other team will have. Very basic. That's the horcrux. That's what I do. If you're not going to watch the games, everything else I just said, you have to do the work. But the best way to see how a player is involved, a screen setter versus a scorer, you watch the damn games. And don't be lazy about it. You don't have to watch every game. You watch the games, you learn. You trust and just on that. So I think that's something that we all, Ryan, have in common with our respective sports. Yeah, well, the, I'm taking notes. Attack Hornets. Okay, I think I got it all. The, I, I just the, gave you the blueprint pretty much on a night-in, <laughs> night-out basis, as long as there's no crazy news that breaks five minutes out. So, And the thing that I'll add to all of this is we have all gotten very good at trusting our gut over what stats say, right? Because stats can lie. A perfect example of that is if you look at, from NASCAR, if you look at Ryan Blaney at the start of the season last year, Ryan Blaney's average finish was like 15th or 16th or 18th, and you're going, well, why does Matt keep recommending him every single week? Because if you watch what you're seeing, and you trust the gut about what his car and himself are capable of, 
you would have known that that's that those stats lie because he was in position to win each of the first four races of that year and something fluky happened to him right your gut the only way if you don't trust your gut and then you get beat you're really going to be upset at yourself right i've done it plenty of times i have second guessed myself like oh this guy's stats are better like I just went against my gut feeling, and it turned out that my gut was right the whole time, right? If you go with your gut and you lose, you can go, okay, well, why did my gut tell me to do that, and why did it not work? Was my gut correct and something fluky happened, or did I simply miss something or let a bias get in the way? The other thing is you cannot have bias in seasonal or DFS. You just can't. I'm a Yankees fan. I will draft, when they're healthy, good Red Sox, right? I will draft Devers. I will draft Bogarts. When Chris Sale's arm isn't falling off, I would draft Chris Sale. If J.D. Martinez was allowed to look at video in the dugout in between the bats, I would draft J.D. Martinez, right? I don't like the Dodgers, but I'm still going to draft Bellinger and Betts and Seager and, you know. You can't eliminate... Right, you can't field. eliminate people because you don't like that team. That's that it's doesn't. Stupid. And I've seen. By the way, I've right. seen it work. My cousin, by the way, will tell you that it's worked for him because he's a big Yankee fan and he doesn't draft Red Sox. It worked for him one time. That's it. Good luck being a multi-champion with. Now that. I will do, say, do I, I like say I having to root fan. for those guys? No, but the other thing you can learn to do is go. Okay, well, I have Chris Sale facing the Yankees. Well, here's the thing: I can root for like a. A one nothing win by the Yankees in six innings for Chris Sale, so that I still get a good start. The Yankees still win, and it doesn't kill the numbers for the pitcher. Right? That's a workaround. No, you know that's too much. That's too much on the brain. You know what? (laughs) Let's be real for a second. Let's talk brass tacks. And this is especially for all of us that play with money and prizes. No disrespect, but our teams that we root for don't pay the rent. Our right. fantasy teams do. They don't give a damn about us. Our fantasy nope. teams can benefit us. Right. And, I mean, it's the same thing is true in, in NASCAR. There's a few drivers I don't like. I'm not going to name who they are because, you know, I'm a NASCAR writer. I don't play biases in my playbook or my coverage. But rooting interest, there are a few that I root for more than others. Doesn't mean I'm not going to play the guys I don't like because, you know, there's going to be weeks they're good. I'm going to have to play them because stats and guts tell you to play them. So that I'll, I'll wrap it up with, with that is just study, watch, look at the data, and when all else fails, go with your gut. Because when you go with your gut, it's really hard to be upset at yourself. Amen to that. And speaking, let's end that properly. You could end it right there, cells. But still, as we always do, a little something, something will bring – to the family table, guys. So let's start with you, big winner cells. What are you bringing? You bringing some money for the rest of us? <laughs> I've been asked to buy people dinner like nonstop. That's what happens. The vultures, half. man. The vultures start circling. I will say this, and I'll bring it to the family table. And this is more so with DFS than it is for seasonal, but it it also works for seasonal too. Just because you win big doesn't mean you have to continue to spend big to keep playing, right? Like, there are a ton of people 
that I've seen hit like big GPPs, like you know, twenty five hundred bucks, ten grand, more than that. And the next week, you see them dropping huge bankrolls because they have the money and they think it's house money. Well, why not extend it out, right? Don't go hog wild when you hit stuff. Realize what the process was you used to hit that. And sure, should you step up a little bit in price so you're dealing with smaller field tournaments with better odds of winning? Okay, sure. But don't go nuts and blow it all in one place. Good, good advice. Very good advice. Spend wisely. Mr. Hallam. I'm going to go off sports topic with the family table as uh, we're, I think, pretty much the entire country is getting pummeled by some sort of weather uh, right yeah, now. Yeah, it's 26 the, below zero here in Lincoln right now. So, yeah. Uh, that we are close uh, to getting out of this rut we call winter. Uh, it's now light after five o'clock here. It was like six o'clock here. So and I just wanted it's it's a couple weeks late, but I wanted to get to Groundhog's Day real fast. <laughs> Can That's we stop? Can we stop with that? This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. The groundhog doesn't want to be picked up. The guy's dressed like the, the 1776. It's six more weeks of winter every effing year. We live in the Northeast. It doesn't matter what the goddamn rodent says. This this tradition has long been past its time. It's always six more weeks of winter. It doesn't matter what this stupid ass rodent says. End it. This you look ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Just just stop. That's that's. I completely agree with Hallam. So, like, Groundhog Day, beginning of February, right? Winter doesn't <laughs> technically end until the third week of March. That's six weeks from the beginning of February. So, like, it's... But I also have to question, why is it inverse? Why is it six more weeks of winter when he sees his shadow? That means the sun's out. It should be sunny and warm. It should indicate an early spring. If it's cloudy and gloomy, I could understand the winter call. But sunny and winter doesn't work. It's the dumbest thing. And they all dress up and look yep. ridiculous. It's it's time to end this. The best thing about Groundhog Day was Bill Murray. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's almost as dumb as Valentine's Day. But I'll save <laughs> that. I've went on that rant before, and I'll save the rest of it for next year. But, guys, look, here's what I'm going to bring to the family table. And maybe we can do a whole episode on this as it gets a little bit closer. But here's the deal, guys. You're getting ready for your fantasy baseball league. You're getting ready to play. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be hell. I'm telling you, it's going to be hell, at least at the start of your season. You accept You accept it. You just do. Accept that it's going to be a lot more challenging to win because you're going to have to make a lot more moves. I'm going through it with NBA. Mm. I'm dealing with it every single day. No lunch breaks. I've had teams heavily impacted. But I'm going to tell you guys something. Some of you want to model your leagues after the high-stakes leagues, which are weekly leagues and once-a-week fab, and that's it. If you want to do that, God bless you, because you should not be playing in a fantasy baseball league that doesn't allow you to have access to your team every single day. It's stupid. It's asinine. You're going to get screwed out of your week, if it's head-to-head especially. If it's roto, I mean, yeah, you could sell the dream that, hey, if you're down 35 points and work hard, you can come back. <laughs> this year is not for that. This year is bigger. This year you need access to your teams. Whether or not you want to do waivers twice a week, that's fine. It doesn't have to be first come, first serve. But these weekly lineup leagues 
have to stop. They don't have to be extinct. This year, they have to stop. It has to happen. You need access to your team every single day. I'm telling you, my teams are getting pummeled this year, and I hate to lose. Give me access to my teams. Don't punish me. Set your lineups in advance if you want. Do it. But don't punish me. Don't punish me for wanting to always dominate every single day without any other option. And especially in this COVID freaking year, it sucks. So make sure that you're not stupid and make sure you get to your commissioners right now, not in a month and a half from now when it's the day before the season and you're like, oh, we got to start a league. Get to them right now. You need access to your teams every single day. And I'll keep saying it until the season starts because you're not going to understand it unless you're playing in it right now, guys. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm. You know what? That's We can discuss it. Cells, you can debate me all you want in another time. We'll save it. We'll keep the cliffhanger. But you look like you have something to say about it. But that's My why. fantasy baseball is the toughest fantasy sport to win. It is. And it's going to be even tougher. And we're going to help you get there. But here's a very simple thing you could do. Daily leagues. That's, that's all you got to do. Just this year. Try it on for size. You'll thank us after it. For Ryan Hella, Matt Sells, I'm Justin Fetsterman. We always dominate no other option. We just win.